1: Rockheads, stop roasting your chestnuts for one second and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 295 with guest Naveen Yajaman, recorded live Tuesday, November 20th, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now bringing world-class expert-led training in C Sharp, ASP.NET, VB.NET, SharePoint, BizTalk, Team System, and Workflow Foundation on-site to your development team. Details online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost effective reporting for Windows forms and ASP.net web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for.net developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who says VSTA is just one eye away from Vista, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much.
0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin here with Richard Campbell, of course, every week. Richard? Yes, sir? How are you, sir? I'm well. I had a great time at DevTeach.
2: It was fun to have everybody in my town for a change.
0: Yeah, Vancouver was nice, but it rained a lot, and it was kind of drizzly and cold, but the people were certainly warm and friendly. Yeah, and the day after everyone left, it snowed like crazy. I particularly like going into Joe Forte's with Stephen Forte, and he says, I need a discount because I'm related to Joe Forte, and then they show him a picture, and he was uh, Jamaican.
2: Yeah, a large black man.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Forte. (laughs) Not that related, not that related. So uh, I have a better know framework for you. It's kind of um well, let's just roll the music and I'll tell you about it. righty. So this is this is something that I almost feel embarrassed to talk about in in a better know framework because it opens up such a big can of worms. It's the system.weak reference class. Oh. Weak references are something that probably not a lot of developers are going to know about. And this is not W-E-E-K, but W-E-A-K Yes, yes. A weak reference allows the garbage collector to collect an object while still allowing an application to access the object. No. Yes. If you need the object, you can still obtain a strong reference to it and prevent it from being collected. So basically, you're going to... Keep a weak reference to it, so the garbage collector could collect it. So I got to tell you, I've never used a weak reference object, and the syntax is pretty simple. It's create new, you know, create a new system.weak reference and you pass the object, and then uh, uh, there's an optional boolean as to whether it's resurrectable.
2: Resurrectable. <laughs> resurrectable. Yeah. Uh, we're getting too biblical in our classes.
0: I know. So basically, it opened up a big can of worms, and I went researching. To find the sort of the reference that everybody points to when learning about uh, this stuff. And it is from our friend Jeff Richter. Uh-oh. Jeff Richter wrote an awesome MSDN Magazine article um, uh, called Garbage Collection, Automatic Memory Management in the Microsoft.net Framework. And it has been referenced by many, many people, including Brad Abrams and a whole bunch of other people who are framework guys. So this appears to be one of the, if not the, definitive reference on it. And uh, I Shrinksterized it at shrinkster.com slash sn6. So if you're looking for some uh, winter reading, that would be a a good way to upgrade your chops on garbage collection.
2: So I'm thinking about where I'd want a weak reference. And the only scenario that makes sense to me, and I could be wrong,
0: is cache objects. Yeah, I'm not even, tr- I can't even think of anything. And Well, I'm just thinking the idea that I could create cache objects
2: with weak references, so if the garbage collector needs to collect them, it can, so it can free up the memory, you know, in a, in a crisis situation when the garbage collector runs, it frees
0: up that memory, and otherwise I've got them around so I can use them. Certainly stuff that's big, that's going to take up a lot of memory, that yeah, they, you're right. I mean, you could use them for objects instead of a cache, right? Right. So, yeah. Well, interesting stuff. And, uh, of course, we'd like to hear your comments about weak references or anything else. Just send us an email, rocks at franklins.net. And, uh, yes, shrinkster.com is back online. Uh, thank you
2: very much, Mr. Franklin.
0: You're welcome. So, you got an email for us?
2: I do indeed. And if you can believe it, this email is from... Thomas Betts. Another one from Thomas Betts. Well, and I, I did an inventory and I'd like to point out that Thomas has sent us emails in March, April, June, August, and now December. Hmm. And we've read several of them because they've, they've been fairly conversational. In fact, I've, yeah. just, I've noticed a pattern in the ones we didn't read. They're all the longest ones.
0: So, Richard, uh, if I ever need a new co-host, I know I'll I'll just call Thomas Betts. There you go. Come to think of it, you're fired. (laughs)
2: It's time for me to go. (laughs) All right. Well, let me read you this email. Yeah. Uh, Dear Carl and Richard. See, he's got the order right, too. So he's well on his way. (laughs) The last episode of .NET Rocks that inspired an email from me was the previous F Sharp show, number 266, with John Harrop. After listening to show 293, I had to go back and listen to the intro to show 267, where Richard read the things I'd learned that week. You remember that email where he had the things he learned? Yeah. It turns out much of what I said then is still applicable, including general confusion about research-related programming languages and British accents. Yeah. You'll have to go back to 267 to get that. However, what prompted this email was the reference to Microsoft Research using F-Sharp for video processing and image recognition. The last F-Sharp show mentioned bills of materials as one problem area where function languages can excel, and I was working, that week, on the bill of materials section of an MRP system. Wow. The next project in my queue focuses heavily on, get this, image processing. No kidding. While useful to hear another real-world example that matches what I do, it still creeps me out just a little bit. Yeah, it would creep me out, too. That's spooky. Over six months, we've nailed several times. <laughs> when I'd worked on that project previously, translating image processing algorithms from C++ to C Sharp, I was basically making syntactical updates, but the existing inefficiencies remained. While I'm not expecting a silver bullet solution, F may allow us to make some great performance improvements. The idea of less code while remaining readable and the corresponding lower bug rates is always an appreciated bonus. Wow. On a related note, we've started some tests using Link to query some of our static image objects, and I am amazed at the performance we've achieved. We've just started to investigate the possibilities for using Link and F-Sharp in our app, but the question has clearly become where, and not if, we'll use them. Both Link and F-Sharp are two topics that I would probably only know by name if not for listening to .NET Rocks. Your guests always seem to provide enough information to push me from the that-sounds-interesting side of the wall over to the That is something I've got to use. The F-Sharp downloaded install is completed, so it's back to work, and I'll probably go back and re-listen to the John Harrop show again, and maybe eventually start to comprehend this stuff. Thomas Betts.
0: Awesome, Thomas.
2: A Great email, Thomas. Thanks very much. And I am surprised the number of people who are playing with F-Sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know who's got it loaded up and is tinkering around? Ted Neward. Is that right? And Ted was the guy who said, you know, learn a language a year. I guess he's fulfilling
0: his own uh, concept. That's pretty cool. Hey, Richard, you know the uh, SharePoint video that Sahil and I made is just about ready for sale now. Awesome. And uh, I just want to tell everybody, Sahil came up here uh, several months ago to New London, to the studios, and we went through nine hours plus of DNR TV style training, um, just like DNR TV, right? With... He talking and me listening and going, making stupid comments, uh, showing, uh, SharePoint 2007 in all its glory. So, uh, it's, uh, 6 If you're interested in that on DVD, go to, uh, www.franklins.net. Should be on the homepage by the time you hear this. Great. And, uh, of course, uh, if you're interested in changing careers, moving to New York, New York City, that is, for a year. The guys at Infusion are willing to put you up in an apartment rent-free for a year while you code your way to absolute nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in that, read the details at shrinkster.com slash KH6. On the line with us today is Naveen Yegemon, a senior program manager on the Microsoft Visual Studio Tools for Applications program management team. Since joining Microsoft in 2000, Naveen has worked on several enterprise technologies and products. He worked on the Microsoft Visual Studio Tools for Office, VSTO, Patterns and Practices, and MSN teams prior to assuming his current position with the VSTA team, where he leads the development of various products and components. Over the past two years, Naveen's primary focus has been the VSTA Runtime. He manages all of the VSTA product stack, including the design time, runtime, and the software development kit tools. Uh, Naveen is passionate about developer tools, technologies, and business applications development, which should be very obvious to you in just a minute when we let him speak. Hi, Naveen. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. And we are very interested.
2: So, VSTO versus VSTA. Mm-hmm. Actually, two totally different things, but only one letter different.
3: Um, two totally different things um, uh, to some extent. Uh, here's, here's how they kind of uh, relate to each other. Uh, VSTA is uh, a generic platform uh, for managed uh, extensibility. So, essentially, VSTA offers all of the core infrastructure that any application can use to enable managed extensibility in their applications. VSTO is a specialization of that platform focused on Office.
2: Oh, okay. So, yeah, they are related. Yeah. It's just one's the generic implementation, one's a specific implementation.
3: Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So, they share the core infrastructure pieces. So, on the runtime side, the design time side. Um, so, and uh, VSTO adds a lot of value specific to Office. Uh, when it
0: comes to uh, customization so um let's before we get into it i really we really got to clear up some questions that we've been that have been dogging us mm-hmm. <laughs> um specifically with vba and 64 bit um the answer is obviously vsta um going forward as a sort of a answer to or the next of V uh vba but But uh, we've had a couple of uh, questions and emails around the 64-bit implementation of VBA because it's very hard to find any information anywhere on the web about anything like that. So the official answer is? VSTA is the way to go. Okay. Nice. So there is no VBA 64 ever going to be?
3: We are working on that. Um, Really? um, So uh, there would be... um, Uh, VSTA is the right approach to take when it comes to uh, managed extensibility. Of course. Uh, VBA has its deficiencies, and uh, people understand that there are limitations around that. Um, So there is very little innovation happening in that space. Um, So, yeah. Fundamentally, VSTA is the
2: .NET implementation of VBA in the sense that it's the programming tools you can add to your application to make it extensible by others.
3: Yes, and it's a managed platform, so managed. everything is managed. C-Sharp, VB, VB.net. Um, so everything managed. VS-based, lightweight IDE, so you get all of the benefits of VS innovation, so you can use WPF, for instance, you can use, um, say, WCF web services, you can consume that in uh, uh, VSTA. Uh, you can use all of uh, the database stuff like Link and all of the innovations that are happening there. So it's And also the project system is all based on Visual Studio 2008. So the same project system that is shipping as part of VS 2008 is used by VSTA. So what that enables is any solution that you create in VSTA, you can actually take it into full VS, continue development on that. So, there is the round-tripping. So, then you can bring back the solution into VSTA, still continue development on that. So, because they share the same project system, you can round-trip projects.
0: So, it seems like there was a clear difference between VB and VBA, but on the managed platform, uh, is there really any difference between the languages uh, that you use? Um, And if no, then, then what exactly is VSTA? Right. So... In terms of the language itself, the
3: richness of the language, the access to the .NET framework, exactly the same, right? But the value that VSTA brings is the simplified IDE experience. So the okay. IDE that you get with VSTA is tailored for an audience that is not uh, uh, primarily development-focused. So uh, let's say there are occasional developers or knowledge workers or people who who don't uh, write programs uh, for a living. Okay. Right. So it's kind of a simplified version of the IDE. So we don't have as many options that you get to see in the Pro IDE when they go into menu. So you don't have twenty different options, right? So it's very tailored uh, towards an uh, profile for an occasional developer.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
2: Thinking in the context of Office, although not necessarily applicable. Mm-hmm. We have macro, we had macro programming going way back and VBA right. was sort of the ultimate manifestation of that. Here's a full sort of programming language with deep access into your application that you can then really go nuts as far as macro programming concerned. And recording, yeah. I think, was the big,
3: was a big feature there, right? If
2: you didn't right. know how to code, you could always record your
0: actions. And- that
2: ability to
3: record. Yep. Yep. We do support that in VSTA. So we do allow you to have macro recording capability. So you can actually do macro recording using managed code now. That's right. That's enabled in VSTM.
2: That's really cool. But it also, again, makes an easy door into the novice programmer just trying to add his extension to the application he's working in.
3: Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And the macro management is all kind of, it's up to the ISV to actually make it completely transparent. And they can say, okay, you don't need to edit code. You don't have to edit code. So that's, that's kind of the experience that VSTA enables where you can macro record and manage code. Behind the scenes, you can compile it and run
0: the code. Yeah. So where do you see Visual Studio tools for applications fitting in um, in the in the custom application programmability space? You have an application you want to allow. You know, is it the typical sort of VBA uh, add-on? Um, I,
3: I would look at it... Uh, Uh, There are lots of different implementations uh, that you can uh, uh, look at VSTA uh, kind of playing a role in. So, for instance, uh, we've seen customers who are uh, doing middle-tier customization using VSTA, which is kind of an interesting model. Wow. Um, I, I wouldn't expect that. Yes. Actually, if you think about uh, customization, we always think about the client side, right? Uh, But there is actually a customer of ours who is uh, working in uh, a space where they handle different protocols that are coming in. So the data can come in lots of different protocols. And what they do is they ship a certain number of uh, uh, components that can process different protocols. But these protocols are very custom to their clients, so they allow their clients to actually use VSTA to write customizations for their application and process any of their custom protocols, So, which is kind of an interesting thing. And these components yeah. sit in the middle tier, not on the client side. So we have seen lots of different implementations all the way from the client middle tier going up to the server. So we have one customer who is actually implementing these customizations and actually running them on the server. It's just wow. kind of an interesting scenario. So, and the runtime can run on the server because of the fact that it's built on the .NET framework. Sure, and you don't and have uh, those
0: apartment threading issues that we had with COM no. objects and any of that. No.
3: So, and you get, you get all of the security benefits of the framework as well. So, we are built on code access security, so you can use all of the code access security models that you're familiar with. Use that when you run components on the server, so you can have partially trusted scenarios. So, we support partially trusted add-ins. So, you can say, okay, I don't want to run the add-in in the same process as my host application, so I'll host the add-in in a separate process. So VSTA provides all of that infrastructure to make it extremely easy. The API is exactly the same for both in-process, that is loading the add-in either in the same app domain as your host application or a separate app domain or a separate process. So the API is exactly the same. All you need to do is flip a parameter that goes into this API and say, okay, I want to do it in an external process or a separate process than my host process. So it gives you that control as well as security benefits of the .NET framework, which is, which is a nice thing about VSDM.
0: Hey, this is Carl. I just want to take a minute out of the show to tell you about Telerik's Q2 2000 tools update, which can be summed up this way. Blazing fast performance for ASP.NET, WPF-like visual effects for Windows Forms, and codeless reporting. The Ajax-based content editor is now 76% faster and much more intuitive. The grid also received a performance boost, plus PDF export, frozen columns, and they've even added a new awesome scheduling component. What I find even more intriguing is Telerik's Windows Form Suite. It's unbelievable that it offers WPF-like visual effects like scaling, rotation, object motion, transparencies, and so on without WPF. As a result, you could have grids, tree views, ribbons, and more with a previously impossible level of interactivity and appeal. Telerik has recently added cab support, which makes the component set a perfect fit for large enterprise applications. Lastly, with Telerik reporting... You can create advanced business reports in Windows, Web, or PDF format using pretty much design time only. Wizards, expression builders, and converters help you with the design, styling, and integration. You'll also be amazed to see some unique features like CSS-like styling and conditional formatting. See what all the fuss is about. Download a trial at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for sponsoring .NET Rocks
2: my head's going wild now thinking of all the kinds of rules engines you could build, extension engines you could build. It's it's almost like very I get a biz talk like vision out of this thinking on the
3: server side anyway. You could basically have add-in capability. So this is basically add-in technology. So it all boils down to add-in technology. That's it. Sure. So it, the scenarios that you can envision are just tremendous I mean I, I, I can't stop thinking about uh, all the different scenarios that uh, like you said workflow scenarios right so you can have a pipeline that has a whole bunch of add-ons that hook into that pipeline
2: and so, some came with the package and some you built yourself exactly uh, do you are you generally seeing this as companies that are building products wanting to provide that extensibility to their customers or are they using it themselves internally both
3: ways. So we are, uh, we are actually working with customers that are exposing this functionality to their end users. Right. And we are also having uh, customers who use VSTA internally to build uh, customizations. So one of the companies that we are working with in UK, for instance, uh, has an interesting scenario. So what they've done is they've created a platform, right? And on that platform, they work on lots of different verticals. So what they've done is They basically consume this platform and create verticals for different domains using VSTA. And they ship the components all together for that particular vertical implementation they've done, which is kind of an interesting scenario.
2: Now, do you see the most likely customers for VSTA being current VBA consumers? And I right away think of companies like AutoCAD.
3: Uh, We are actually expanding the market of customization or or people who want to enable customization of their applications. So we are seeing kind of uh, uh, probably um, half of our customers are VBA customers who already have VBA implementations, and half of uh, the interest is coming from people who are actually building completely brand new applications using managed code, and they want to enable uh, extensibility in their applications.
2: Uh, the problem is that all the companies that I've really thought of that have VBA, Microsoft owns now, right? There was Visio and Great Plains. I mean, all of these very cool products, now they're all under the same umbrella. Right. Yeah. Although uh, i kind of to imagine it would make a lot of sense for Great Plains to move to a managed extension environment, even as a Microsoft product.
1: Yeah,
3: it's a typical business application, and it has a lot of scenarios where VSTA is very applicable and they have a lot of partners who are customizing their applications and it's definitely any business application i see a lot of uh, scenarios where vsta can play a huge role and already microsoft infopath is shipping uh, vsta so wow. they have already seen a lot of uh, uptake for vsta and the way people are customizing infopath forms and um, so they are including vsta as part of their um, uh, uh, install so which uh, is so you see uh, a lot of interest from applications within Microsoft also who are looking at VST as a very viable uh, uh, technology for uh, enabling managed extensibility.
0: Now, since this is managed code and it obviously sits on top of .NET, is there any restriction in terms of the uh, libraries or technologies that it can call out to?
3: No, there is, there is really no restriction there.
0: I think I was thinking exactly the same angle, Carl,
2: is can my underlying app still be a Calm app, and this is my .NET extension to it, or do I really have to get everything rewritten in .NET before I can take advantage of
0: VSTA? Not that we would encourage that behavior, but, you know, it is. That's
3: actually a good point that you bring up. Uh, uh, So we enable both uh, Calm and managed host applications to consume VSTA or integrate VSTA. That's a whole lot of P invoking. No, actually, the way it was going to work is you're going to integrate the runtime, right? And you're going to basically call into the runtime and say, okay, load me this add-in. And after that, we take care of doing uh, the invocation onto your object model. So what we do... behind the scenes, is that you need to have... So, uh, the core premise of um, enabling managed extensibility is two things. One is you want to have the ability to uh, version the host application and the add-in independent of each other. That's one thing. The second thing that you want to do is make sure that your add-ins, coming from any different source, do not uh, uh, either harm the host application or crash the host application when they malfunction. Right? So isolation. So those are basically the two things. So and to enable these two things, so we have built what we call managed add-in framework. And so the managed add-in framework has two components to it uh, that allows for version resilience and isolation. So it's called an adapter and a proxy. So what you generate when you have a calm application is basically you need to expose the object model to your add-in that is going to be consuming it for automation purposes, right? So we provide tools that you can run against your calm object model, and that is going to re- generate a managed representation that your add-ins are going to be consuming. So yeah. we take care of underneath the covers all of the communication that happens between your add in, which is a managed code add in, and your com host application.
0: Well, does that mean you're doing something on top of the runtime callable wrapper in the com interop? You're making com interop easier?
3: We are making com interop easier, Well, that,
0: that that's fantastic because you you know as well as I do that, you know, there you sorta of sorta have to know a few tricks of the trade in order to get com objects to behave nicely. Yep. Yeah, to me, it almost seems like
2: VSTA would give you an avenue to avoid migrating sooner,
0: that I could leave my
2: com objects in place for longer and still offer great extensibility and then take my time doing that migration later. Well, does that mean it's going to
0: call release com object for you in the disposer or the the finalizer?
3: Uh, Behind the scenes, all of the infrastructure enables calling the com objects, making sure the lifetime semantics are taken care of properly and all of that stuff.
0: But you say... Taken care of properly. I mean, do you, do you? I mean, the the whole reason that they allow us to do that is because sometimes you want to control when it happens.
3: Uh, so we we so on the managed add side, So your extensibility is going to rely on the garbage collection. On so what we have done is we have built the infrastructure such so that when you release the COM object, right? So the COM infrastructure is going to take care of. Uh, basically releasing the object. So you're not actually bringing that object into the add-ins domain, right, where the managed code is running. Mm-hmm. So you are still running the object in the host application domain or the process where the host application is running, but only there is a, a pointer that comes across. Okay. And we basically take care of uh, handling the pointer and giving it to the add-in object, exposing it in a managed manner.
0: So it's and like then- COM interop, interop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you could think of it that way, yes.
0: But you know the thing we're walking around
2: here, which I think is the key, was the key to all the great VBA implementations, and I'm sure it would be the same key thing of the VST implementations, is that deep exposure into the application model that you're working with. You know, being able to get yes. right down to the format of the cell. Yeah, that sort exactly. of characteristic is what makes those things
3: so compelling. Yep. Yep. That is exactly what. VSTA enables using managed code, so you can expose your object model and allow anybody to consume this and create very powerful, um, say, uh, powerful applications or solutions that meet their specific needs, right? And one of the nice things about VSTA is I was talking about the proxy layer. Um so what we do is we run we we actually provide a tool uh, that you can run against your object model and that generates an XML representation of your object model and you can go in there and tweak the representation that your adding developer is going to see for instance, you could say, okay, so this particular uh, domain of users uh, don't want any complex stuff exposed to them. so what you can do is you can remove certain methods and certain types and generate a representation that that particular domain of users is going to use. So that way you can control that. And also you could say, okay, this particular vertical does not need these particular types. So you could say, okay, I remove these types for this particular vertical and generate this proxy layer that gets exposed eventually to the add-in developers in that domain. So that way you, you have a lot of control. So we give you a lot of control in that layer as well, which is kind of an interesting capability to have uh, when you think about object models getting exposed to add-in developers.
2: Of course, now you've got to be comfortable with exposing your object model. So, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly you're going to have an awful lot of developers
3: wondering why you did that. Right. So th- that that's a scenario, right? Uh, so you could expose the entire object model to uh, all the developers, uh, but there are scenarios where you might not want to expose everything to everybody. So you could control what gets exposed to what kinds of developers.
0: Naveen, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Solgenia, about these guys and what they did with it? Uh, Solgenia is a CRM application. Um,
3: uh, I think they're based in Italy, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, so they used uh, our application to enable uh, customization in their app. Uh, I'm not sure of the very specific scenario that they used our product for, but um, but yeah, they, they they have integrated VSTA. Uh, I'm not kept up to speed on um, their particular implementation though.
0: So it's out there in people's hands and in working as expected. Yep. yep.
2: Now, when did VSTA first ship?
0: Uh, first was
3: in 2000 and.
0: Didn't it ship with Office 2007? Yes,
3: it was. Uh, so it shipped with Office 2007, and also uh, we shipped an SDK, uh, which shipped with uh, just, just post Um So a couple of months after WIDB, we shipped it. So it's based on the WIDB code base. Yeah, so that was late. Or uh, Visual Studio 2005. Widby right, was yeah, code so That name was the
2: end of 2005, 2006 timeframe.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: All right. I'm uh, just thinking maybe we should go. Uh, Talk about a few of the customers you've had that are using this, and the you know the
3: strength of the model. Yeah. Um, so we have, um, as I was mentioning, there are several different customers uh, who have been using it. So internally within Microsoft, let's let's focus on that. Um, so we have InfoPath, which is uh, shipping uh, VSTA. They shipped VSTA as part of InfoPath two thousand seven. Did InfoPath and ever have VBA in it? Uh, no, it did not. Yeah, it, I mean it's
2: a it's a late comer to the Office suite. And I don't even know how it was built. Is it a Calm platform, or is it, or has it always been managed code? Uh, it's it's a lot, ma- lot of managed code. Okay, so I mean, in some ways, it's the youngest member of the Office team, and I, and some, and I guess it's got to be, you know, that lighter code base really helps. I think about the sheer volume of lines in Excel that yeah, makes true. implementing something like this so
3: challenging. Yes. Um, so the thing about uh, VSTA integration, it's not as much about, uh, uh, given the fact that VSTA is integrated into our existing product uh, and you expose the object model to uh, anybody who is writing add-ins using VSTA, it's more so uh, an integration uh, uh, integration exercise rather than uh, how, how deep or how um, uh, complex your object model is. Right. So that's that's kind of uh, how I look at it. And it's just a matter of we have been working with Office to get it integrated into a broader set of applications. So it's a just a time frame issue, more so than uh, any technology-related issue. Um, so uh, uh, in terms of other uh, internal customers, we have quite a few who are actually going to be shipping um, VSTA as part of uh, uh, their applications in the upcoming uh Year. So, in the year 2008, we have a uh, few products that are being released. Uh, so, that will be using VSTA. Externally, we are working with uh, a lot of different customers. As you mentioned, Solgenia is one of the customers who has already released uh, VSTA as part of their offering. Yeah. And uh, we have several other customers who are currently uh, in pl- pretty uh, late release of their or late uh, phases of their integration. Um, so they should be releasing very soon. Um, that's one thing. And there are a lot of customers who are in tap program right now who are looking at uh, VSTA 2.0, and we are working with them closely. Um, so they should be picking up uh, VSTA 2.0 and releasing that as well. Uh, so there are quite a few customers, and uh, a couple of customers that we uh, we were, we have featured uh, previously as TC um, uh, Software. Uh, they have uh, this product called uh, ConnectMate, and uh, they have used VSTA in an interesting scenario. They are the customers who are actually using it for middle-tier customization of uh, their application. And uh, there was the other customer uh, that we featured in one of the previous web- webcasts. It's CACI. It's a UK-based customer. Uh, uh, they uh, they build market analysis uh, tools, and one of their uh, products is called Insight. And uh, they've been using VSCA for uh, building their verticals uh, which is uh, they have a platform that they have created and they build vertical applications, and uh, they have been leveraging VSTA uh, to enable them to go to market uh, very fast. Uh, so, so those are uh, those are some of the customer uh, uh, customers that uh, have been featured in the past, and there are a lot of other customers who are, as I mentioned, in a late phase of their integration, and they should be releasing their products very soon.
2: When you're integrating VSTA into your application, I keep thinking of the VBA model where I hit Alt-F11 and up pops an an editor. Is Mm -hmm. it like that, or are you always working with Studio to work with VSTA in your app?
3: No, you can actually have an Alt-F11 integration experience.
2: Okay, so you can literally, built into your application, have this mini development environment that the user can, just by installing your app,
3: go to and start doing their extension work. Exactly. Exactly. And you you can provide the complete integration experience. One of the features that we have enabled in VSTA 2.0 is pretty cool and pretty exciting. Uh, so if you're, uh, let's say you have an application which has um, uh, a, a drawing application, and you can actually add uh, drawings onto your uh, application surface, and you can track shapes onto it. One of the cool features that we have in VSTA 2.0 is what we call dynamic programming model. Uh, Interesting thing about this particular uh, uh, feature is that you actually have a view of the same things that you're doing on your uh, your user interface surface in your uh, Visual Studio IDE. So essentially, for instance, let's say I have a drawing application and I create a new drawing, drag one shape onto it, I launch the IDE. So what happens is you actually see a file that gets created for your drawing application, or uh, for your drawing that you created in your drawing application. Right. And when you, when you start dragging shapes onto it, you, the shapes actually appear as first-class objects in your project hierarchy. So I can say drawing, or uh, so basically go into the drawing um, uh, class and then say this dot. So in IntelliSense pops up the shape that you just added into your uh, added using your UI. So what this does is uh, the the biggest benefit of this particular feature is that your end user uh, who is not a a pro developer has the same view as they have in their application as in the IDE. So basically they get the same view of the uh, application uh, as they're seeing in their UI. So they drag one more shape, They see one more shape in their IDE, and they can actually access that as uh, a first class entity, and they can program against that. So, the benefit is that you can expose your object model, uh, basically, all of the deeper capabilities of your object model uh, to the end user uh, using this feature. So, it's a very powerful feature that we have added.
2: Now I'm thinking it, that sounds almost very Visio like, the way Visio was, we were able to add programming abilities to the objects we placed on the, the surface of a Visio uh, template. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to think deeper in that idea that I could build a sophisticated set of classes in Studio and mm-hmm. then make those assemblies available via VSTA into another application.
3: Um- it would be the vice versa. So where you have this rich functionality that you have enabled through the UI, so where your end users are consuming through the UI, through UI gestures, and they can actually go into VS and see exactly what's happening. So if I add a shape to the drawing or if I add one more drawing, so actually that shows up in your VS as a separate project item. So I add a third drawing uh, to my uh, drawing surface. Right. It automatically creates an entity in the project project system, and you see that. So you're now able to relate to and say, okay, a drawing can contain shapes, and the shape has these properties. So when you go into the programming environment, you actually have the same representation where you say, okay, I go into a drawing, I get a shape, and these are the properties that the shape is exposing. Right. And think about the power that is going to, uh, that this, is, this feature is going to give you in terms of exposing very complex object models that have very deep hierarchies. Well, and they're data driven too. I really like the yep. prospect that I could programmatically
2: right. modify that shape now. Exactly, exactly.
0: Hey, I just want to give a shout out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor. Embed them right in your application. Provide PDF and HTML output. Give your end users a report editor, royalty free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. Activereports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at DataDynamics.com. The, um, the thing that always occurs to me when I think about, um, VBA and managed code is, the um i don't know the challenge in in uh, VBA programmers sort of getting the the whole type system and the, some of the rules around .net programming and i'm wondering if dynamic more dynamic languages might really be the the godsend here for for these people
3: you you actually hit uh, the nail on the head there so one of the things that uh, vst enables you as um basically provides you a platform that is going to enable you to get all of the innovations that Microsoft is going to make in the languages space, right? And the runtime space, uh, the IDE space. So if you have VSTA integrated, so it's going to derive or inherit all of the innovations that Microsoft is going to be making in the dynamic languages space. Sure. That is exactly the direction that we want to take VSTA in, where VSTA becomes... Your platform, it should be able to support static languages or any of the dynamic languages that Microsoft is going to support. This is going to be pretty cool. And uh, so th- that's that's one of the huge value adds of VSTA. So it provides you that platform uh, that will derive all of the innovations that Microsoft is going to
0: make.
2: I got to think that that sounds almost like a VSTA 3.0 thing that you know, the DLR is not quite ripe yet, Silverlight's still early. Like all of the development around those new kinds of languages is pretty young. Mm-hmm. But when it grows up a bit, I would hope you guys would grab onto it because that's exactly the kind of audience that will enjoy those languages and, and, their, and their issues will be minimized in that scenario.
0: And I think what I hear you saying is since it's all based on managed code, those features are going to be there anyway. They'll just be there.
3: Uh, they'll be there, and the the nice thing that we have set the precedent, so we actually enable all of the capabilities that uh, uh, VS2008 is shipping. Uh, so, like WPF, uh, WCF, Link, D-Link, all of those features light up when you get VSTA.
2: So, if it's in studio or in the framework, it's in VSTA.
3: Exactly. You have access to all of those capabilities. And we have VB and C Sharp as languages. So you get all of the benefits of partial classes. You get the benefits of anonymous methods, delegates. You want to do functional programming. You have Lambda expressions. So all of those capabilities that VS is going to expose through the .NET framework is available in VSTA as well, because we don't stop you from consuming the entire power of VS, the .NET framework.
0: And of course, you can always jump over to studio if you get tired of the, you know, at that point, you might see VSTO as a, or VSTA as a limitation, the IDE anyway. True. Um, so, so one other question I have here is, you know, in VSTO, I understand the deployment mechanism. Uh, well, I understand what it used to be. And that yeah. is to, you, you have your assemblies out on a server somewhere. Right. And then you deploy your, um, deploy your code. And the the code goes and gets those assemblies and downloads them. Now I I understand that you're using uh uh click, click once. once click yes.
3: once right yes uh, we are actually enabling click once in VSTA as well and VSTO is actually uh, providing an implementation of click once for uh, Office document customizations and add-ins. Um, So, we have made significant improvements there, and we are going to provide the ISVs uh, the same core infrastructure that VSTA is using uh, for their ClickOnce implementation. Uh, So, given the fact that uh, our ISVs might have very specific needs and requirements around their deployment scenarios, so we have baked the core infrastructure into VSTA, and we allow the ISVs the flexibility to enable their scenarios. Uh, So, for instance, they might have their own publishing wizards or they want to have uh, basically uh, uh, some kind of a process before anything gets published to a central location. So they can do that and they can have a publishing wizard there. So we enable uh, flexibility and we provide the core infrastructure.
0: What if you have a continuous integration process in your in your shop, and all the developers are using that. And then you have your business programmer guys that they want to take advantage of those things. So,
3: yeah. So if if you have a CI infrastructure and uh, you want to utilize that, a VST actually is an ideal vehicle for doing that as well. Um, So the thing is, you can actually uh, compile your code uh, or you can actually build your code and then check it into a source code repository, for instance. You can have a provider that can do that. And uh, so because VS is built on, uh, or VSTA is built uh, using the same platform as VS, um, so y- you you basically expose a lot of those interesting scenarios. And one of the key um, or, or one of the drawbacks of uh, VBA environment is uh, not being able to have some kind of a source code management system, not having everything maintained in a single uh, repository. Uh, that's one of the huge challenges of uh, the current VPA yeah. deployments. Right.
0: Um, yeah, it's always a been, a, of, been a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is there any problem you guys haven't absolutely knocked out of the park? Um, I think there is
3: There is um, one aspect uh, that we keep hearing from um, users, particularly if, uh, people who are using VBA deployments, is uh, their ability to have uh, the source uh, or the code in the source format. And uh, uh, they, are, they are expressing um, uh, their view that uh, they would want the ability to have source embedded in a document that they ship or share, right? Uh, that is one of the scenarios uh, we definitely want to take a look at. And if there are possibilities for us to have um, some kind of a middle ground where you have uh, both a binary format, which is basically an assembly, or they should be able to use source and uh, uh, ship the source and compile it in uh, some kind of a secure manner. So we're, that's, that's one of the scenarios uh, I think we, we have to definitely address.
2: The point being, you don't just want to give them a copy of the source from the look at, you want to be
3: able to compile on the fly to it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the benefits of uh, VBA, right? So you can actually ship source, and it compiles or uh, behind the scene, uh, and then runs. Yeah, and that's just right? not the way that .NET works. So that's got to be a challenge to deal with. Exactly. That's that's one of the challenges that we need to uh, definitely address, and sh- that kind of leads into sharing and a uh, lot of lot of interesting scenarios that uh, people are getting used to now with uh, all of the. Uh, so changes that are happening in, uh, say, the occasional developer space, right? Uh, so where people are able to create this snippet of code and share it with people, and they, they want the same kind of ability there.
2: You know, it's interesting that, that InfoPath has gone the VSTA route, and then we also have VSTO. Do you see the two products coming together at some point? Um,
3: they are going to be targeting two different audiences. So VSTO is targeted at professional developers, right. and who want to create solutions that are going to be consumed by a large number of users. InfoPath, the way it has used VSTO, is basically enabling the InfoPath users to create customizations for uh, some of the InfoPath forms that they create, right, and they also have um, basically uh, exposed functionality for professional developers who want to create uh, uh, customizations against InfoPath forms that are consumed by a large number of users. Right. So in VS 2008, uh, actually InfoPath ships um, templates uh, in uh, VSTO uh, to enable the pro-dev audience as well. So uh, you'll see that in VS 2008.
2: So, I, yeah, i got to imagine ultimately you end up using both
3: because they're targeted at two different audiences right. and two different types of solutions. So uh, there will be uh, d- opportunity for both.
2: So how wow. challenging is it to incorporate VSTA into an existing application? I mean, we've talked about the exposure of the object model and so forth, but mm-hmm. what do you really have to do to hook it in?
3: Right. Uh, there are a couple of key steps that uh, you need to go through. Uh, one thing is you need, you definitely need to have an object model, like you mentioned. Right. And uh, so what we have done is we have simplified greatly the experience for integrating VSTA. In V1, that was one of the key um, concerns of our customers. Uh, so what we have done is we have created tools uh, that you can run against your object model and uh, it's going to generate uh, managed code representation that uh, will be eventually consumed by your add-in developers. So we provide a tool for generating that managed code representation. Uh, The second thing that we have done is we have actually created a tool uh, that allows you to generate project templates uh, that get exposed in VSTA. Um, So we have reduced the amount of work that you need to do uh, to do an integration of VSTA. About providing tools. Uh, the second uh, thing that uh, we need to look at when you are integrating VSTA into your product is uh, just the object model uh, design. So that's something that uh, is important to look at. Uh, in terms of, if I were to put uh, how much effort it's going to take to integrate VSTA, the actual integration of VSTA, the bare minimum integration, is uh, fairly straightforward and uh, it should be, um, it should take you of probably a very short time. But then you start adding features like macro recording, and you start uh, thinking about features like, for instance, you want to have external process debugging that is enabled. So things like that, So which is basically taking it to the next level. That's where I think the effort kind of increases.
2: Well, I also um, think you could easily get into a path of once you start viewing your object model as an outsider, mm-hmm. it doesn't make as much sense anymore and you probably get an opportunity. There's, there's an opportunity for a major refactoring there that just thinks cool. through the object model differently. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a popular app. I'm doing my thing with it, and I'm, my customers are asking for features that I'm not prepared to write. So I'm looking at extension options. Obviously, VBA used to be one. They don't even sell in VBA anymore, right? No. So I look at VSTA. What does it take for me as a as a company to get VSTA into my product? Not work wise, but from a pricing point of view, from a licensing point of view, like how do I make that deal?
3: Right. Uh, the first step is uh, we have an SDK that you are going to download, and uh, one and, copy. And that's of the just SDK. freely downloadable. Go ahead, and take it out for a second. Exactly. Spin. Exactly. So you evaluate that. And that would be the first step. The next step would be okay, I decide to uh, integrate VSTA, I want to redistribute the VSTA. Uh, so uh, there are two, two redistributable components that we provide as part of the SDK. That is, there is an IDE redist, uh, which is basically the Visual Studio IDE that comes with. Um, VSTA, so the, our VS based IDE. Uh, the second component is the runtime redistributable. So I decide to redistribute uh, the components. So then I go and uh, sign a license uh, with our uh, sales agent Summit software. Um, so. And uh, we have a pretty structured licensing model, um, so where you can either go with a per seat or a uh, royalty-based licensing model, and you you work with Summit Software uh, to uh, get the licensing done.
2: And who is Summit Software?
3: Uh, Summit Software is a company that uh, was uh, doing a lot of the sales work and the marketing work for uh, VBA. People who have been using VBA are familiar with Summit Software and uh, they provide uh, both sales and technical support uh, for VSTA as well.
2: Is there much of a path between, and I, I get the idea that, that pricing and licensing and so forth is going to depend on the customer and, and how many they sell and how they do that. they got to work that out with you.
3: Yeah, exactly. So but I'm will, really well, thinking
2: in terms of the path that VBA custom current VBA customers have to take to get the VSTA.
3: Um, so the VBA... Uh, so Are you specifically talking about the licensing model? Not so much the
2: licensing, but the migration.
3: Oh, okay. So the migration path, right? Um, So VBA and VSTA right now can function side-by-side. So you can actually integrate VSTA into an uh, application that has VBA. Uh, So uh, they can run side-by-side. So you write your managed extensibility code in VSTA, and uh, so you can have your VBA uh, code still running. Right. And that is that is something, if you do not want to allow your users to write uh, code in VBA, so you could probably remove the IDE aspect of VBA and then have only the runtime aspect of it. So that way your existing VBA solutions continue to run, uh, but all your new code can be created in VSTA. Uh, so right now there is no interop story between VBA and the VSTA code.
2: And I don't imagine there will be, because I think VBA is well on its way to being phased
3: out. Exactly. We we are definitely uh, thinking about having uh, an interop story uh, for VSTA. So that is, that is definitely something uh, of a feedback that we have received, and uh, we are strongly thinking about that. Cool.
2: So getting all the way back to the beginning here with the 64-bit story, I guess we still don't have a, a clear 64-bit story for .NET in general. Mm-hmm. So VSTA,
3: what are the options? Right. So uh, with regards to the runtime itself, uh, running the code... Um, So you can run um, uh, 64-bit customizations or in a 64-bit environment, you can actually have the runtime run. So we have enabled that. Uh, In terms of uh, just debugging, we also support debugging of uh, uh, 64-bit add-ins. So given the fact that I was talking about the external process uh, behavior, uh, where you can actually uh, run your add-in in in a separate process than your host process, so you can actually instantiate a 64-bit process and run your add-in there. So we do support that scenario, and you can also debug in
0: that environment as well. So everything works. You got the forms designer, you got IntelliSense, you've got debugging, you've got uh, recording, you've got web services. What don't you have?
3: (laughs) It's a lot of stuff. I mean, um, the capability that uh, VSTA provides is just amazing. Uh, I mean, sometimes I... Uh, of course, there is the VS, the ID itself is tailored uh, for not a pro environment. Right. But, but, that, I
0: mean, what do you yeah. mean by that? Like, what's missing, you know? So,
3: uh, so for, for instance, uh, the number of options that you have, right, uh, in terms of just the debugging, uh, there are a whole bunch of options that a pro environment provides. So, we don't provide that. So, the okay. other thing is, we don't uh, uh, enable multiple projects in a solution. Right. Okay. So we have a single project. Uh, given the fact that it's tailored to an occasional developer audience, uh, we don't foresee a lot of uh, occasional developers uh, trying to have multiple projects in a solution. They're but it sounds focused. like
2: the Express edition of Studio. Uh,
3: very close to that. So one of the drawbacks of Express would be you have one language. So you have VB Express or C Sharp. Right. right. What VST provides is an ability to have the language choice. So you can either... Programming VB or C sharp.
0: Uh, you can only have benefit. you can only have one project, but if you've got debugging going on, you can debug and step into uh, into code. I'm yeah. sure, frame in yeah. from in an assembly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I I don't know what it seems like. You guys did a great thing here. And 2.0 isn't shipped yet, right? Uh, Is not shipped
3: yet. So uh, we are uh, uh, shipping the SDK in February of 2008. It's slated for February 2008 release.
2: Okay, and 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 that's not the same time as Studio 2008, although it is using 2008.
3: Yes, it is actually built on 2008. All of the core bits, uh, so I briefly mentioned about uh, the VSTO, VSTA, uh, sharing the core infrastructure. Right. So the core infrastructure is going to ship as part of VS2008. Uh, the bits are going to be out there, and we are going to be creating the SDK, which is uh, going to contain uh, the redistributables for the runtime, the design time. We are going to have a lot of samples that are going to showcase how to integrate VSTA into an application, both a managed application or a com-based application. Uh, we are going to have uh, documentation uh, for the SDK itself, uh, how you go about integrating, how you consume all of the different tools that we are going to ship uh, for integrating. So we are going to have the tools that I mentioned. Uh, one is for proxy generation, which is called proxy gen, and for project template generation, which we call project gen. Uh, so we are going to have those tools as well as part of the SDK.
2: Awesome. I'm kind of blown away, I, and I really get the sense you guys looked at everything you did in VBA, which was incredibly progressive at the time, yep. mm-hmm. and said, now, what can we do better? Yep. Because, of course, Carl and I have experience with the VBA pain, so we've gone after you in every one of those, and you had great answers. Yeah.
0: There's mm-hmm. just nothing nothing to say, I mean, and there's nothing bad to say is what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so uh, any
2: blog sites or things we should be pointing to folks if they want to get involved with in this
3: Yes uh, we have a blog on uh, msdn blogs.msdn.com slash vsda um, and definitely uh, there is a lot of documentation out there on msdn as well msdn.microsoft.com slash vsda
0: and you have a channel nine interview too
3: Yes oh, that's actually we on are there. planning a lot of material on channel 9 as well. Uh, So, it will be, so we are planning some chalk talks uh, where uh, a lot of the architects on our team are going to be talking about a lot of uh, different features. Uh, It's going to be a deep dive discussion. Uh, We are probably going to have uh, screencasts as well, uh, which uh, will showcase all of the different features that we have, uh, integration of VSTA. Uh, So, uh, we are planning a lot of material that uh, we want to post on Channel 9.
0: And it's interesting on the blog, I see that there was a post from April '07 talking about how uh, you're going to show a demo of Solgenia's VSTA integration at TechEd 2007, and none other than Russ Fastino was doing that. So that's yes. pretty cool. We know Russ. Yep. He's a yep. good guy. So that brings us to about the end of the show. Is there any last-minute things you want to push or, or say or hi, mom, or anything like that?
3: Uh, I think VST is a great product. Um, People should try it out, and uh, that is going to set them up for uh, the longer haul. Um, So it's a platform that is going to inherit all of the VS innovations that Microsoft is going to make. Um, So it's a great platform to be on for managed extensibility.
0: Well, it sounds great. Good luck, and uh, thanks for being on the show and sharing with us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Okay, Naveen. And we will see you next time. I'm Rocks. And hey, watch out for that cat. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by quap Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. at www.dotnetrocks.com. by the